everybody. We're back for part two to talk about even more shows for the fall oh, of yes. 2017. All right. So uh, I'll go again with March Comes In Like a Lion season two. Remember how there were too many sequels this season for me? Um, so I don't want to like elaborate a ton on this one. Because I really felt like I went into depth and embellished a lot about what the show had to offer back when I talked about season one. Uh, in season two, Ray, lead character Ray, continues his journey of maturing, and it's all the drama that comes with his interaction with others. This season is a lot more about Ray trying to reach out to other people. I think in season one, Ray was very shut in. He had a hard time reacting to other people, and it was about him slowly progressing out of that shell and the people who were in his life that helped him and the people who were in his life who uh, impeded that change in him. And uh, it really kind of showcases a lot of the hardships that now come from Ray trying to take care of other people. And, you know, when you are trying to help others, sometimes there are just things you cannot help or roadblocks that you cannot overcome. And it's the drama that comes with that. The show continues to be just gorgeously animated by Shaft. And despite some of the bizarre animation choices, some of the ways they, some of the ways they choose to animate emotion or thoughts is, is a little weird, but it's always imaginative and creative. I really like it. Uh, the shogi metaphors are everywhere. So I still retain that uh, if you are somebody who knows a lot about shogi, uh, you will get a heck of a lot more out of this show than even what I'm getting. And I still really like it. It's like oh, every nice. character she puts the the mangaka the author puts into this show she weaves them around the idea of shogi and this just idea of this battle of they call it the battle of life and death on the board but really this this battle of i think it's it's like overcoming obstacles and sort of the depression that comes with getting stuck and the euphoric feeling that comes with uh, making it over even the tiniest of obstacles. And it's just such such a beautiful show in the way that it can keep wrapping everybody around this shogi metaphor, uh, no matter who they are, and, and really giving so much depth to every character. A character I thought I hated, she just put in this like one sequence where... Uh, he, he looks like a really evil guy, and then she has the sequence where he goes to the hospital and visits his wife, who's in a coma, and he leaves her flowers, and he talks to her for a little while, and then he goes home, and he's just like, you almost like understand the reason for his broken personality and why he's so cruel all the time, and I was like, I wasn't even, I was never expecting you to give depth to this character. I'm shocked you even thought about this, so really, really neat. Um, it's good to see some of the treats their side characters will sort of develop yeah, them. Yeah, you know, it was great. And uh, to just kind of conclude this, I, I think this show really proves to me that anime can tell these beautiful and powerful stories that are very down to earth. You know, you don't need all that magic or fantasy, which I think a lot of people generally associate with anime. Um, it, it really rises above all that just absolute trash I see every season that's like, my little sister is so cute I could die, and I'm like, gag me, please. I oh. would like to die. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure your sister is so cute. Gosh, why? Um, it rises way, way out of that trash. There isn't an ounce of fan service I'm, you know, for miles, 
and it, it tells tells a really mature and powerful story and it helps that it's beautiful the whole way through artistically thematically high high recommendations for this show if you are into anything i'm talking about or we're a big fan of honey and clover because it's the same author oh very cool well, nice. Well, I'll pick it up from there with, uh, actually, I guess we could finish out, this isn't really a sequel so much as finishing out a show, but uh, Shukakona Altair, uh, Altair, A Record of Battles. Had hot its Men in Persia, the hot, show? Hot Men in Persia. The show had its second half, uh, and I would say that it was significantly stronger than the first half, although it definitely needed a lot of the setup that the first half provided. And as a whole, I would say that it consistently surpassed my expectations it mixed economic, political, and physical warfare in a way that none of them ever really got stale. They always had interesting stuff going on. It had a good cast of characters and locales for them to go to. This is the show that the recent Legend of Arslan should have been, and I really hope that its creators took some notes. Uh, this would be my other competitor for top show this season with The Girl's Last Tour, although it is a full 24 episodes. And as mentioned, it's kind of held back a little by the complicated and occasionally poorly paced first half. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I would overall agree. Um, the first season was a lot of setup and, uh, by necessity, a lot of failure. Uh, the first season follows our main character, uh, Mahmoud Pasha, or, well, Mahmoud, I don't even remember what his, other, what his other name is, because everyone has, like, 15 titles in this thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, he has been demoted from being Pasha and is sent out into the world, basically, as an operative for, their, for his nation to sort of explore and basically gain the experience he needs to understand the weight of the responsibility that he bears. And the second show is all about him having been reinstated as of the wrap-up of season one, going out and now being an emissary of uh, his nation for realsies this time, actually enforcing policy, making decisions, uh, trying to thwart the empire that's basically been breathing down their necks since the last war. And like you said, a good balance between him trying to head them off economically because his main goal is to try and prevent war. Um, as opposed to one of his contemporaries whose job, who he sees his job as being ready for the war because he believes there's no way around it. Which is and actually like an, an interesting dynamic that got sort of a lot more interesting as the show went on. Like at the beginning he was just, Oh, I'm a hundred percent pacifist about everything. But by the end he was like, well, sometimes you have to destroy an enemy army in order to get peace to happen. Like he's, sort of matured in this extremely difficult environment. And it was interesting to see. Absolutely. Definitely think that um, Mahmoud's uh, growth as a character is, you know, not just, you know, visible for all to see, but it feels much stronger than something like Arslan, where Arslan is like, we keep seeing him like trying to become a better character, but he's thwarted at every turn because, because his, everyone else is uh, better than he is all the time. Everyone's better than he is. Yeah. Better than him at everything. And in this show, like, uh, he's not shown to be the best at any one thing. If anything, the thing he's best at is observing and learning from the mistakes of himself and others. And that is a talent that you don't often see because he sees what happens to other forces that try to engage the Empire in a battle. Even, you know, intelligent people that make intelligent decisions based on the information they have can fail. And you never feel like his victory be it economic or uh through social uh through social change or through actual conventional warfare you never feel like it's assured until you see you know the steps he has had to take in order to achieve victory and that's the part that i really like is like it was satisfying it 
it's satisfying. It never feels it never feels like the good guys are just handed a victory. And that's, you know, while the first season may have been a little bit, you know, janky in terms of pacing and whatnot, it was mostly about him kind of trying to race ahead of this cascade of policy failures that's allowing the Empire to really shore up its uh, its power and make headway and start to really threaten his homeland. So this is him, you know, trying to, you know, now assert himself now that he's actually got the ability to do so and has learned so much. Now he can, you know, take the fight to them or try to work around them. And it, uh, like I said, it all felt very, it felt like a natural progression. The characters were well, were well rounded and interesting enough that we didn't really have to dig into each of them too much. We could focus almost entirely on the situation. Really, the only complaint I have about the show, and it's a minor one, is that I think that their uh, their dreams of this his semi-historical epic were sometimes going a little bit beyond their artistic capabilities, because there are definitely points, especially in the latter, like, third of the second season, where the animation and the quality of, like, the characters and everything just doesn't match up with the drama of what they're trying to portray and it just killed me every time because it's like oh i know this is supposed to be a really dramatic moment but man that guy's face looks really janky huh i actually didn't notice all i didn't notice that many problems hmm it wasn't like sharper than i was on that i mean art art is literally my job so i I guess i've just i've just got a yeah i'm just more sensitive to it and it didn't you know, again, it didn't ruin the experience for me by any stretch of the imagination. It just was unfortunate. I would have loved to have seen what these guys could have done with, you know, a, a more uh, a more experienced animation team or better outsourcing or whatever it was that caused those hiccups near, near the end, especially. Um, I would love to see these guys given, you know given more free reign, given more resources to do that, because they've, like I said, they've got this beautiful vision, and every time they pan over, you talked about the locations, every time they pan over these tableaus of the different locales that they're in, there's this beautiful mountain city that they keep showing, and it's like... Oh, that... yeah, the city of Cielo is really quite impressive to look oh, at. Oh, yeah, just beautiful beautiful environments, really well-thought-out architecture, The and there's so much of this show is really well done. Like, the production values are inconsistent is the only downside of the whole thing. And it doesn't come close to, uh, you know, turning me around on it because the whole show overall, the experience is well worth it. Yeah. So high recommendations on that one. So really quick, I remember that the big complaints were the breakneck speed, the uh, nomenclature, because they use a lot of Persian terms and names and the fact that some of the characters got a little out of control, like a little too much shonen going on. There was like Tiger Man or something or Bear Man you guys didn't like. So I guess address those really quick. Does it kind of fix those? Like tones down the crazy shonen I mean, characters? I would say, I would or was say, all the pacing worth it? I would say pacing was uh, pacing was right on track for the second half. Like I think they did a good job. I didn't feel like we were rushed at any point. Like it has a good clip, but it's a solid, predictable clip kind of. Uh, in terms of proper names and titles, like that completely quieted down. We didn't, we would might learn about a new place once an episode. And for several episodes, we were in the same place. That's uh, true. And, Though there was a, there was a bit of a cast explosion when they ran into the Imperial army and every single di- oh, that's uh, true. divisional every... commander got <laughs> their own, got their own name and like nickname. And they were shouting out a bunch of German words and everything. It was like, it wasn't too much to keep track of, but it's just like, you didn't need to give all of these guys names and heroic, like last stand kind of deals. 
a lot of them are just they're just higher level mooks at this point. Yeah, they did they did give attention to guys that are just gonna kind of get killed in the battlefield, but I don't know. It kind of made it seem like it mattered a little bit. Like each of them did run their division a little differently, but there wasn't a lot of time to develop them. Uh, and True. as for shonen stuff, like there's a lot less like personal hand to hand and a lot more broad scale stuff. So whether or not they fixed it, that isn't where the the uh, the focus is any longer. So it didn't. We didn't really have to worry about it. I guess the focus is that they're hot men in Persian War. Okay, that's the focus. Ladies, Please. although honestly, like there really isn't any fan service in the show. Like even you know, like lady fan service. Like there's no guys flexing without shirts on for the second half. I would say the first half. Yeah, there's there's Bear Man. Uh, oh well, then I'm not interested in it anymore. Yeah, so moving second, on. To second my half show. is all uniform German guys. Don't worry about it. Ugh, <laughs> get out of here. So moving on to my show. Uh, so there was more Yuki Yuna this season. Um, so just going backwards a little bit, I don't remember when it premiered, but quite a while ago, there was a show called Yuki Yuna is a Hero. Now, uh, the post, what I'll call the post-Madoka Magica landscape for Magical Girl, there were quite a few shows that came out that really tried to capture that same dark Magical Girl scheme and that lightning in a bottle that Madoka Magica had, things like Wixos incisor and uh daybreak illusion which is terrible by the way do not watch that show <laughs> i tried and oh man i made it through the whole thing but damn it's bad um and then like magical girl battles which is just horrifically violent so i hear it, anyway the only show that i really feel kind of nailed that feeling was yuki yune is a hero um, I, I caught this one and, you know, from the look of it, you're like, oh no, it's a bunch of like colored girls and blah, blah, blah. And Yuki Yuna, I mean, it really has an interesting setup. It has these young women who go into what's known as the land of trees and they fight for God, effectively, uh, the God known as Shinju-sama. And there's all sorts of story that comes along with that. I won't spoil it. Uh, I do highly recommend it. It's not as strong as Madoka Magica. It has some wonkiness to it. It has some what I'll call forced drama that really feels a little cliched. But overall, it is a really fun cast of young ladies, and it has a beautiful aesthetic, and I really enjoyed it. So um, I actually enjoyed it so much that I sought out the light novel prequel known as Yuki Yuna Washiosumiya is a Hero. So... Just to give a little bit of spoilers, in Yuki Yuna is a hero, there's a character named Mimori Togo. You kind of get hints and eventually a confirmation midway through Yuki Yuna is a hero that this isn't her first rodeo as one of the magical girls. She has a backstory where she was previously one of the magical girls fighting for God. Um, so this season, Yuki Yuna is a hero, Washio Sumia is a hero, actually came out in a six-episode burst. So I had actually already sought out and read the light novel for this, so it was just fun to watch it get animated, but I wasn't, like, shocked by any of the twists they pull. I think it's really fun. It doesn't have, like, 100% the same magic that Yuki Yuna as a hero has, but... And it's got some, like, ugly CG in it every once in a while. Oh, um, no. I know, it's unfortunate. But it's few and far between. Uh, eventually, the girls really, really grow on you. I did really like it. I have to say, there's one absolutely hilarious episode where, like, the one girl, Sonoko, shows up to pick up Washiosumiya, and she's like, I don't know why, but she, like, comes in in this limo, rolls down the window, and is like, Washi! 
we are going to go Kanazawa, have much fun, yes? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, she tries to say this whole janky line in English, and it is hilarious. <laughs> and one thing Yuki Yuna has always nailed is this, like, great aesthetic between all of its characters and just having these fun conversations and doofiness. And it is fun. There's a little bit of, like the cliched stuff in Washio Simia. There's like the breast envy one, the one where they go to hot springs, the one where like one of them's clearly gay for the other one and is like taking oh, a million photos of her and you're like, oh, okay. Come the on, highlights stop. here. Yeah, the highlights here. But, <laughs> you know, minus that, it is fun. It just doesn't fully capture the magic of Yuki Yuna as a hero, but it fills in some stuff that I felt were weak in Yuki Yuna as a hero and fleshes that part out. Weirdly enough, I didn't realize it until later, there was another set of Yuki Yuna that came out this season as well, called Yuki Yuna is a Hero, the Hero's Story, um, which is a continuation of Yuki Yuna is a Hero. It takes off at the end of that one, fills in some more gaps, and brings the story to a beautiful conclusion. This was quite strong. I really, really liked this chapter, the Hero chapter. Um fleshes out a lot of things, really challenges our girls, uh, really questions some of the things I myself was questioning. It's almost like they peered into my head and asked some of the same really complicated questions I complained that Yuki Yuna as a hero did not address or answer. So I was thoroughly satisfied. Uh, on the whole, I highly recommend this whole series. I think it's very good. It's pretty nicely animated it does a great job it isn't 100 percent perfect but if you want that like magical girl with a dark edge and you miss something that attempts what madoka magica does this is for you so hmm. definitely check these out um you need to watch yuki yuna as a hero first plot holes and all and then go back to yuki yuna as a hero washi osumiya and then follow it with yuki yuna as a hero the hero story so Definitely yeah, check it out. You can get a buffet ahead of you, listeners. Yeah, so I, I do recommend it. I really liked it, and um, it was it was very good. So I won out on that one. Nice. Well, there's something I haven't been winning out on. That's something is classicaloid. Classicaloid. You know, Tell us Scott. all about the classicaloid, Scott. Scott, I got to see um, I got to see a live orchestra perform Beethoven's Ninth. Uh, Ninth Symphony over the holiday break. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And the only thing that ruined it was thinking of this show. Wow. You know what? At least something spoiled it for you. I'm, I'm, I'm envious just listening to <laughs> I thought to Dan that. was about to say, like, all he could think about was love and a hippo walking across the stage being <sighs> like, mer, mer, mer. And then Mozart came and ruined no, his entire no. show. Uh well, as you probably guessed, so this is the second season of Classic Lloyd, somehow, and it continues to be a disaster. But, shockingly, it improved in the second half of the first half of the second season. You've got all that. So it moved away from its absolutely dreadful one-off episodes to something resembling a plot as it moves into the second half. And I will admit that I learned about a new piece of classical music that I hadn't heard before and really really enjoy listening to so like you know proper class music not the remix thing so i finally got something back for the hours wasted watching this show flail around and be terrible scott most importantly is bach back he is 
briefly back. Is he at least speaking in only musical terms? He He's largely speaking in only musical terms, which is, of course, the way we all picture him in our heads. It's the way he should be. It's the only way he should be. It's the only, I agree, it's the only way he should be. Uh, however, like, Wagner has hit him full force with Flight of the Valkyries and stolen his power, his hair, and his sunglasses. So what? things things are rapidly going downhill. Um, anyway, like the fact that I found a nice piece of music is not nearly enough to recommend the show to anyone, and you should all stay away as far away as you can because even with the minor improvements, the show is garbage. What was the piece of music? Yeah, out of I was about to say, don't keep it a secret. Oh, it's uh, lists uh, La Campanella, and it huh. is uh, said to be the most difficult piano piece. Song to play on the piano period. Like it's the fastest uh, piece ever composed and it is gorgeous to listen to. Just lovely. Awesome. So, yeah. Go listen, that. To that. go listen to La Campanella. Don't watch the classic Lloyd. That's the message. Sweet uh, deals on not even remotely fine items. That's true. Don't, yeah, just don't. You want right, to know Sue, what else what was got? not even remotely fine y'all? season two of wake up girls now hold the phone season one of wake up girls um was was quite a while ago now and i actually really enjoyed this because what was funny was i was watching it back to back against i think like akb 0048 oh wow and so yeah so it was really fun to watch that contrast because akb 0048 is this like high gloss high intensity but like it's kind of sci-fi yeah sci-fi weirdness but it's caged by the fact that it's very clearly like promoting akb branded product and like the glamorous lifestyle that is being an idol the glamorous yet restrictive lifestyle that is being an idol and so um wake up girls on the other hand i really enjoyed because it took a very real very hard look at what it's like to be in the world of idols it's not glamorous it's not fun It's really rough work. It's performing in a park where, like, three people watch you awkwardly. Like, the show almost reveled in these girls, like, trying really hard, failing sometimes, looking really awkward. And I loved that, like, homegrown, down-to-earth, like, you know what, this is probably what it's really like to be an idol type of thing. Although, let me just say, if idols were all about, like, shooting mechs and, like, singing on flying platforms that fought the government, like, I would yeah, not like be an were, engineer. If, if, I would be if, an if idol right now. If the revolution was, like, idol pop singing against, like, yes. the oppressive, like, intergalactic government, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, I would be an idol right now. So, the point is that I, I appreciated Wake Up Girl's more realistic approach to showing you something about idols. Um, holy cow, Wake Up Girl Season 2 is so bad and i mean Uh so bad in the sense that these guys were given like zero budget for this and it's hilarious because wake up girls themselves are already these like homegrown sort of losers who are trying to make it work and damn (laughs) if this show isn't earnest like it's it's trying really hard first of all there's like three different plots going on at the same time and this so over and lack of budget that sounds like exactly it's like you know dreams can be made scott even if you have no budget and your entire dance sequence is some soulless like (laughs) made in the cheapest animation software ever 
rotoscope dance sequence. This oh, no. sounds kind of like uh, how Komodo Friends went down. Like, no yeah, budget it turned out to like be pretty, that. like, it like, was still earnest, kind of. Dan, I would almost, almost recommend it to you as, like, a study for you academically of how to <laughs> cut every corner you can think of <laughs> in terms of art animation. Like, they had, you know, the, the classic shots of people's shoes while an entire conversation happens. But sometimes they had shots where, like, the screen would just freeze and everybody except the person talking was like frozen in mid-space this and is like a violinist of hamlin for a new generation yeah it was oh shocking goodness. or like the one where like this girl is distraught so she looks down and they animated it so that her hair like covers her like eye and her mouth yet she's having a conversation <laughs> with someone off screen like she's just frozen there dan for like three solid minutes as she has a conversation with heaven only knows who and her eye, like, you can see the silhouette of her eye through the hair, that thing, like, in anime. She, like, her eye never blinks. Oh. It's so creepy <laughs> and weird. <laughs> and, like, this people's faces just, cheap. like, go from 2D animation to break into, like, ugly CG. All of a sudden, like, her half of her forehead will be ugly CG. And I'm like... What is happening? Oh, yeah, some guy just came in and he's like, you know, I did a lecture work over the weekend. I got her forehead done, but that's all we've got. <laughs> that's all we've got, guys. It's like, all right, slap it on there, baby. And you could tell that it's just, oh my gosh, it's so wildly, ridiculously badly animated. And I just, I just imagine the boss like walking through and this guy. I was like, sir, please, please, just a few more polygons. We can make this work. Do you think I'm made of polygons? Yeah, exactly. You think I'm made of polygons, Jetherson? Those polygons are expensive, above your pay grade. But anyway, Wake Up Girls Season 2, guys. Let's just say, like, I showed my fiancé that first ridiculous dance sequence, and he was like, we gotta watch this show. And so we did, and it's so badly animated. But we want those girls to succeed, damn it. So it's kind of working? It's kind of working. It works. It freakishly works well with their, like, pathetic, homegrown, we just want to get noticed motif. So whatever. I hope those girls make it. Yeah. By the time they had their final song in, like, a giant field, because they had been kicked out of every, like, stadium in this side of Japan, I was still rooting for them in their ugly CG dance. (laughs) So, go go team. Go team. Go team, team indeed. Um, Well, speaking of CG, though, not what I would call terrible CG... Uh, There was a show that came out this season that surprised pretty much all of us. Those of us who watched it, this turned out to be, as Scott put it, kind of the dark horse good show of the season. And It's the action heroine Cheer Fruits follow-up? Not exactly. Well, it's the dark horse, right? Just like action Uh, heroine Cheer Fruits was? Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. And had we known what the show was going to be before starting the rolling review, this is definitely the one I would have put up there at There'd the very, be a very lot top. To discuss in this, holy moly! And this show, uh, for those of you who might not have guessed by the CG uh, comments, is Land of the Lustrous, which is a mostly 3D animated show with like 2D backgrounds and occasional drifts between the two styles. Um, Dan, really quick, I just want to say that when I listened to the mid-year. I almost fell out of my chair when you stated you liked the CG in this show. 
they were like, oh, it's not that good. It's okay. And then you came on and you were like, I actually think this show is really well done. And I like almost fell out of the chair. I was like, Dan, is that really you? Have you been hijacked by some slightly happier, slightly less cynical version of yourself? (laughs) (laughs) This show did bring that out. And now... To be fair, to be fair to me here, like yes, I will complain about bad CG in in shows, but for Scott, I think he's the one for whom it ruins it even harder than me. And I think it's the dark horse of the season. So there you go. And so, ladies and gentlemen, watch the show right now. Yeah, yeah like this... every episode is just like, where are they going with this? What are they going to do next? I totally did not see this twist coming, but like every episode. Pretty much, yeah, and it, it consi- it's consistently that way. You, I am, I am always fascinated. I am never bored. I'm always like just rapt attention, trying to figure out what's going to happen here, what's going to happen now, what new thing is going to challenge these people. How have I become so invested in the fates of beings that are effectively <laughs> immortal? Like, like right. death has been taken off the table as a possible as a possible ending in a very, well, I won't say very, but a fairly action-heavy show. So how do you keep that tension going? And man, do they do it. Yeah, like it's it's a very hard show to classify, honestly. And it's, but it's it's kind of like just the right kind of weird. That was a good pun, Scott. Huh? Oh, that's nice. Okay, I like <laughs> that. Uh, it has, it's like its own internal logic that you can, you can kind of make sense of, but you never really have all the pieces but speculating what's going to happen next is part of the fun with the show. Absolutely. So we can recommend it. I mean, it's about gem girls fighting terrifying moon monsters. And how does that not sound awesome? That sounds amazing. But just like, look forward to all the twists. Like should get on like. with that. Now, does it look like it's getting a second season or like needs a second season? It definitely wants one. I want one. Like <laughs> As I, do we. <laughs> I don't want to know if the show wants a second one where it ended. Like, it could go either way, and I really want there to be more. It definitely looked like it was shooting for one, but we'll have to see. The thing, I guess, though, that... Because um, there's really... There's no way we can really talk about the individual plot lines of this show, because every episode is so... I won't say totally self-contained, but because of the ups and downs of how things go, there's really no way to discuss it without spoiling something important. But um, one thing that I will say, though, that I didn't really appreciate as much in the first half, uh, but just came to see throughout the course of the show, is just whether you care about the CG versus the 2D kind of aspect of it, the composition of this show, the shot-by-shot like staging of individual moments is incredible the way that they frame certain characters under certain circumstances because the world itself is very is very bare bones there's like a slightly hilly island um and this big open kind of they call it a school but it's almost more of like a temple thing uh that's mostly all like open archways and columns there's very little um there's very little detail in the show in general, but they make up for that with these incredibly just well laid out shots, beautiful shots of people against, you know, the against the night sky or within the uh, archway of the school. You'll see people silhouetted in just fabulous ways. Just from an artistic perspective, this show is worth your time, even if you didn't care about anything else. It is just a visual masterpiece from one moment to the next. And... So for that, I, you know, recommend it, I recommend it wholly. And to top it off that it's got really interesting characterization, plot twists that 
you don't see coming but don't feel completely random and this totally alien world that I am now fully invested in. Yeah, definitely. Like it's one of those shows and they, they're all, you know, like we said, gem girls. And it's like, oh yeah, what gem girls? That sounds like it's going to be any number of other things that they anthropomorphize some object. It's like, no, they did a really good job with this one. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any of that. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan liked this show. Just watch it now. <laughs> Just stop what you're doing and watch it now. Before hey, you hey, hey, hey. back into if, other damn. And if you do, like, definitely watch the first, maybe three before it really picks up. Like, you mm -hmm. may, like the first two might be like, oh, what are they talking about? But don't worry, you'll get there. Oh, yes. Yeah, it does take it a little bit of time to get into its, get into the swing of things, but all that setup is necessary. So definitely work your way through those and you will... You will not be disappointed. And, Sue, I will have you know that I enjoyed at least two shows this season. Thank you very much. So Yeah, but that'll fade out. You'll, like, wake <laughs> up tomorrow and be like, I hated those shows, too. <laughs> well, my cynicism, my, my, uh, eh, I can speak. My cynicism has been cracked a little bit for this season. And uh, looking ahead at next season, I've got a few shows that I'm hopeful about. So we'll mm. see where it goes. We always are hopeful in the beginning. Except for Classical Aid Season 2, Part 2. <laughs> yeah, you did that on purpose. I am not hopeful. Oy vey. All right, well, we'll catch you guys in the next core. Yes. See you guys for the, uh, for the winter core. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.